Gee, Pines, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pluto. Talk about Pinky and the Brain. Welcome to PointCast, the podcast dedicated to the beloved cartoon characters Pinky and the Brain, as we chronicle their evolution episode by episode, from Animaniacs to their two spin-off series, and all the way to the Animaniacs reboot. My name is Mary Jo, but people call me MJ or Pines. And my name is Kelly, but you can call me Pluto. Today we'll be discussing not one, but three Pinky and the Brain segments. First, we'll be covering Bubba Bo Bob Brain the seventh Pinky and the Brain segment on Animaniacs, and then we'll discuss the two Pinky and the Brain crossover segments from the Animaniacs 2 episode, In the Garden of Mindy and Pinky and the Cat. But before we dive into these segments, we want to complete some housekeeping of sorts by reading some reviews, comments, and discussing the season two trailer and episode descriptions. First off, we received some wonderful reviews that we want to read out loud. The first review is from Hatsune Miku 15, who wrote a stellar review on Apple Podcasts titled, My New Fave Podcast. They wrote, I'm such a big fan of you both. You guys are so fun to listen to and sharing your love for the best little cartoon mice in the whole world. I hope this podcast continues for a long time. It's now become my go-to whenever I need something to listen to on my earbuds while I'm drawing, LOL. Thank you so much for providing such amazing content to this awesome fandom. Can't wait for more episodes to come. And they included some emojis, such as the thumbs up emoji, clapping emoji, nice emoji, heart, mouse, brain, and mouse emojis. <laughs> and the second review is an email we received from 11th Hour Factor, is their username, and they wrote, Greetings, Pointcast crew. I guess the title gave it away. I've been listening from the start, and I have to say, y'all are wonderful. The guests invited on have been, all been so engaging and interesting. I look forward to many more. Good luck. So thank you guys so much for the positive reviews. We really appreciate it. And we're glad that you are enjoying the show. Yeah, absolutely. Any any sort of positive feedback that we receive really, really uh, makes our day and really motivates us to continue on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another thing that we want to discuss is a recent tweet that we made on the Poitcast Twitter page, at Poitcast. So with the second season of Animaniacs coming up, I recently made a tweet on our Twitter page asking people what their favorite episodes from season one of the Animaniacs reboot was. We received plenty of responses, and we want to read some of them out loud. Cool. Yeah, so Ellie at DoodleEllie1 said... With Pinky in the Brain, probably Future Brain. As for the Warners, my faves were some of the shorter skits like That's Not the Issue and the Tech Conference one. Evil Possum Princess at Invader Opossum replied, Future Brain and Bride of Pinky, two mice emojis. Mario Bendor Clips made a ranking list of their favorite episodes. Number five, No Brainer. Number four, Bloop. Number three, Fear and Laughter in Burbank. Number two, Future Brain. And number one, That's Not the Issue. Adulting at blank total responded, Future Brain, Bride of Pinky, X Mousina, Rodent Trip. We also have Jeffrey at Wacko King, 
uh, listed his favorite episodes as well. Jurassic Lark, Warner's Unbound, How to Brain Your Dragon, Fear Laughter in Burbank, Here Comes Trouble, Future Brain, and Rodent Trip. Etching to Sketching, who goes by at WesleyLJ12, said, Off the top of my head, Gold Meddlers, Here Comes Trouble, Warner She Wrote, That's Not the Issue, Fear and Laughter in Burbank, Hindenburg Cola, Pinko and the Brain, How to Brain Your Dragon, Future Brain, No Brainer, Write a Pinky, and The Cutening. And The Animaniacs, which is the official Twitter account of The Animaniacs Reboot at The Animaniacs, replied, all of them with the sunglasses and smiley emoji. <laughs> yep, and they, they ratioed us on Twitter. They kind of boosted up some of them. Um... Which is why we got so many replies. So thank yeah. you, the Animaniacs podcast. Whoever is running that Twitter account, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, very cool. Also, yeah. it's uh, interesting to see that uh, some of these, some of the last reboot uh, season one episodes, uh, just kind of seeing which ones are the most popular. Uh, Future Brain, uh, Bright of Pinky, and Fear and Laughter in Burbank uh, definitely seem to be some fan favorites. Oh, yep. Nah, same with um, That's Not the Issue and No Brainer seems to be pretty popular as well. Yeah, so it's interesting seeing like what people really favor from season one. What, are, what were your favorites from season one? Oh, uh, of all of them or just like the Pinky and the Brain um, segments? All of them. Um, I also like Fear Laughter and Burbank. I thought it was the strongest episode. Uh, yeah, their Halloween special was pretty good. Um, I really liked how they did it. Of the uh, picky and the brain segments, future brain is my favorite by far. Um, I d- I really loved the relationship uh, on display between the characters. You got this really fun backdrop of what if brain came back from the future and tried to like off <laughs> off pinky. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting premise, and I liked how they carried it out. And also, we get to see some cute moments between the mice. And how much uh, Brain not only cares for, but trusts in Pinky uh, and doesn't even believe his future self that Pinky would do something uh, as heinous as was as future Brain was saying would have happened. Uh, so it was just nice, uh, like seeing that close relationship between the two characters in that in that episode. Oh, absolutely. I think for me, my absolute favorite segment of the bunch is Future Brain for all those reasons that you listed. Like it has yeah. such a neat premise and it's just executed near perfectly, I feel like, in my opinion. Yeah, because they did it, a great job. Yeah, I love the uh the character design for future brain, and I love how Brain essentially trusts Pinky more than he trusts his future self. Yeah. And I love I love how sweet that end exchange was when they Same. were like after Brain thanks Pinky and he's like Pinky's like, oh, you're my best friend. And Brain's like, and you are Pinky. And then Pinky's like, oh, that's sweet. Thank you for saving my life, Pinky. Why, of course, Brain. You're my best friend. And you are Pinky. Oh, that's sweet, Brain. Which really kind of like responds that Pinky kind of realizes that Brain loves him. Yeah, it's probably one of the closest moments we've had to Brain telling Pinky, I love you, I care about you. It's just really sweet. Um, it has That episode actually has one of my favorite quotes by Brain ever in it, which is when they're back in the cage and he's talking about how, like, <laughs> I, I can't remember what the exact quote was. Oh, the exact something. quote was, um, 
Uh, for a moment, I've never, I never doubted you. Um, yeah, but he says I never doubted your that. devotion. And then he's like, you know what? I will take your unthinking loyalty over intellectual cynicism any day. That was it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. I really liked that line a lot. And it's probably my favorite brain line. One of my favorites um, out of like, that's including the original spinoff <laughs> and the stuff from the original Animaniac show. I just really like that line. Yeah, it's definitely, I would definitely rank that one like, like up there along like with a lot of the heavy hitters from both the original Animaniacs and the spinoff. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but other, my other favorites, um, Bride of Pinky. Yeah. That's a no brainer. How to bring your dragon. Those were great. Uh, as for the Warner segments, I also really loved, um, that's not the issue. That was a good one. That was a really great one. It was short and sweet and really snappy and, I also loved Fear and Laughter in Burbank. I thought it was just a really top-notch Warner's segment. Yeah, that one was... The whole Halloween uh, special that they did uh, was really nicely done. And I think that, at least for the Pinky and the Brain segment, I believe that Titmouse uh, was a studio that worked on that. So you had some really nice yeah. uh, animation that just popped in that. I think Titmouse also did the animation for Future Brain, too. They might have. I don't remember who did what. Because it, it usually um, tosses between Titmouse and Snipple. Yeah, Titmouse did some, Snipple did another, uh, Red Ant did some work. Uh, I know they well, Giant Ant. They did giant the Ant, opening. Oh, right, no, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Giant Ant did the opening for uh, Picking of the Brain. And they're supposed to do some more animation for um, in the episodes in season two. So that's going to be really exciting. That's what we heard from the last, last interview episode. Um, I think Scott and Genevieve were talking about how there was some cool stuff uh, from then that we can expect to see uh, the next season. So I'm excited for that. And speaking of which, uh, guess what dropped on Thursday? Brian, have one of these delicious astronaut ice creams. Pinky, that's a kitchen sponge. Oh, that explains why I've barely had to use the bathroom. We can do this in a calm and professional manner or zany antics. Antics! Antics! Kill the antics! Bang, what are we going to do tomorrow night? Try to take over the... world. What is the meaning of this nonsense? Johnny, sweetie, relax. We're jesters, we jest. Oh, Pinky, when's the last time you bathed? It's stinky, stinky and the brain. Oh boy, we finally got that trailer. It, it took long enough. Was it the trailer of the job Thursday or was it the um uh, the episode, it was the episode descriptions, wasn't it? Uh, well, the episode descriptions dropped, I want to say, on the 14th. But the trailer, trailer dropped on October 21st. Right, right. And we were waiting, like, forever for it. <laughs> I'm surprised it took them that long to drop the trailer, honestly. Uh, yeah, but... same here. You, you think it would have been, like, a month away, but I That's guess they probably I wanted to build up the hype. 
I think that's what they're trying to do is like, yeah, have the hype be built up closer to the release of the next season. And speaking of which, we actually do, um, as we mentioned earlier, we got some episode descriptions. Yes, we finally got yeah some descriptions of all the episodes uh, for season two. And there are 13 in total, I believe, uh, just like season one. So that's nice. We're getting another 13 episode season. Um, so Pines, did you want to read out like the first three and then I read out the next three? Or how would you like to do it? Yeah, I'll, we'll do. Um, I'll read the first three and then you can read the um, other three. Okay, sounds good. So episode one, the Warners deal with Nero. Brain and Pinky accidentally become conjoined. Wacko waits for his new game to load. So yeah, um, fun funny note about the um, the Pinky <laughs> and the Brain plot. That wasn't the first time that there was a conjoined episode plot. Yeah, we're like some of us honestly are a bit trepidatious about this because it happened uh, as you're gonna say in a Pinky in Elmira and the Brain episode. Telephone teleport a friend. Yeah, it, it's an episode where Brain and Elmira uh, accidentally become fused together, and it is a rather uncomfortable situation. It's honestly the worst episode, I want to say, just by virtue of A, it's being the longest, and B, that, like, plot. Because they're just stuck one? together for most of it, and Pinky just kind of just does, you know, whatever He's with, like, the pig yeah. until, like, the last, like, three minutes where it's like, oh, okay, I, I have to do something relevant to the story. Yeah, it is a... It's not a great episode. <laughs> I mean, unless but, they, like, do it, like, subvert, like, the trope expectations by having them, like, you know, be conjoined by the hand or something, like, they're holding hands. Okay, that actually would be kind of cute, where it's almost like the chain-together trope, uh, except, yeah, they're actually fused together by the hand. Like, I would be a lot more cool with that. <laughs> But yeah. I highly doubt that's what they're going to do. Like, something tells me they're going to do something way more, like, out there. Yeah, or just... Yeah. Or maybe have, like, them, like, get used to, like, being more comfortable with each other and, like, appreciating each other's company. I mean, yeah, it could be twisted in a way that's interesting. It's like, okay, well, they have to work together more because uh, they don't have a choice. So that actually can make for some interesting commentary. Uh, but if, like, it might just be played up for the joke alone... And I really hope it's not too uncomfortable because, like, personally, I don't really care for, like, fused, conjoined <laughs> episodes with characters. Uh, they're not my favorite. So, like, uh, one fear. I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. Honestly, uh, they should have done a body swap episode. I wish. That would have been more interesting. That would have been interesting. But, but yeah. regardless, let's let's move on. Yeah. Episode two, um, the Warners are harassed by spam. And the Pinky and the Brain segment titled The Flawed Couple, Pinky <laughs> and the Brain are nowhere to be found, so Nora, the CEO, must fill the segment time by airing failed, never-before-seen Pinky and the Brain pilots. <laughs> and I, I have a feeling that might give off some Pinky and the Brain reunion special vibes. I was thinking the exact same thing, and I'm actually interested in this. Like, I think this could be pretty funny uh, if they do it kind of like that. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And then the last bit is the Warners give out safety advice. Sounds and then cute. episode three, the Warners go inside the Bayou tap Bayou tap tapestry. <laughs> Bayou, like in the like the south of Louisiana. No, it's um it's the William uh, the Conqueror episode. Okay. Uh, then the Pinky and the Brain segment, which is titled "Run Pinky Run." Pinky needs to get money to save Brain and fast. And Dr. Scratch and Sniff tries to teach the Warners a lesson about lying. 
Which is ironic because his last segment had him lying to get out of dealing with the Warners. Yeah. So who's he to preach about lying? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So continuing on, episode four, we get a Ralph parody. The Warners ruin a super sweet 16 party. Pinky makes a how-to video about taking over the world. Sounds kind of cute. Yeah. And that episode title is How to Brain Takes Over the World. (laughs) <laughs> so I have a feeling it might go into like a your friend global domination vibe. I was thinking that too. Um, and for those who don't know that uh, that segment, uh, your friend global domination is one that is in the spinoff series for Picky in the Brain in season three. three? Yeah, yep. Uh, it's the educational video episode where they they do like um they have a shot so it's like why brain should take over the world and the benefits of yeah. it and. They do a lot of fun costume changes. Um, there's like a couple of pop culture parodies. There's a Seinfeld one. And then there's this hilarious Casablanca one. <laughs> that is just too funny. Yeah. The problems of two little mice don't amount to a hill of food pellets in this crazy mixed up world. You have to think for the both of us, Brain. You're getting on that plane, Pinky. If you don't, I'll have to hit you with this pencil. Maybe not now. But soon, and for the rest of your life, we'll always have pellets. It's Uh, pretty funny. I'm kind of hoping that this is the musical segment one. It very well could be. Um, Yeah, because we are supposed to get, supposedly, we're supposed to get some kind of like a pinky rap or some kind of a musical thing with the characters. Um, I don't know if that's still happening, but it could be this because it sounds like it's a short, like a really short little segment. Yeah. I actually hope that they sing the song Take Over the World from the Animaniacs Live. Oh, yeah, from the concert. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think someone actually was asking about that. And I think they asked the Animaniacast this or something. And they didn't think... they. I think it's, like, uh, guessed that one of the songs uh, that plays there might be played in the uh in the reboot but we're not a hundred percent certain so we'll see but i would love for that to be the case me too they had some bangers on there yeah they do uh moving on episode five the warners heckle an artist at a museum brain wants to become a dictator since when does he not honestly <laughs> the plot of almost every episode and yeah. that one is called the pink tater huh so that's, that's interesting, interesting. And the Warners try to find something to watch on a streaming service, uh, which could be pretty funny. Uh, So some fun ones there. Uh, Episode six, Yakko has a new idea for an invention. Pinky participates in a Miss Universe pageant. (laughs) The Warners revisit some rejected Animaniacs characters. Now, the Miss Universe one, I think, is a great idea because that just sounds like something up Pinky's alley that I could totally... That that definitely seems like something Pinky would do. I want to see what dresses he's going to wear. So do I. Like The fans are going to have a field day with this, I'm sure. And I look forward to this episode. It, It sounds like it could be a great time. Mm-hmm. And that episode is actually called Mouse Congeniality. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Episode seven. Yakko goes head to head with an animator. No doubt a tribute to Duck Amok. And that one's called it- Yakko Amako. So that's going to be oh interesting to see. Oh my gosh. They actually are referencing that. Okay, that's cool. Like this particular segment to me sounds the most interesting out of, well, it's the one I'm most looking forward to out of any of the other segments in this entire season is this one. Um, it just sounds like 
a blast. Uh, so mm. hopefully it delivers. Yeah. Well, who do you think I, the animator is going to be? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm guessing they'll just pick somebody random, but it would be like really funny if they actually picked a known animator in the industry or maybe even just someone who works at the studio. Hmm. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't know. But... Maybe Scott is the animator. Scott <laughs> O'Brien, because he does the character animation now. Does he do the animation now? Okay, because he was a director. He was director uh, before, so yeah, I don't know. That would be kind of fun, but we'll we'll see what they do with it. I mean, I'm biased as an artist. I want to see this. <laughs> yeah, my other guesses would be either Yakko or uh, Wacko or Dot, just to mess with their sibling, or Pinky in the Brain. Maybe so. It'd be kind of a fun twist where one of them is actually the one animating. That that would be interesting. Uh, and then the next episode, uh, the Warners fight over who knows the longest word. <laughs> Brain is forced to celebrate Pinky's birthday. And the Warners sing a, lo- sing a song about the Magna Carta. Now, the birthday one is something I'm really excited about. Yeah. Because in the spinoff us. episode, there's Pinky's plan, which is Brain's birthday party. Yep. He turns two years old. And Pinky like puts together this whole celebration uh, surprise party for Brain. And it's really sweet and funny. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that there's some sweet and funny stuff with the the Pinky birthday episode, which is titled Happy Narf Day. Aw. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it could be cute. I mean, it's only fair. Brain got a birthday episode in the spinoff, so now Pinky gets one in the reboot. Uh, There's actually a lot of Pinky-related segments in this season, which I'm honestly happy to see because uh, sometimes he kind of takes a little bit of a backseat. Brain is usually like, the main player um they're both the main characters but even in the spinoff there weren't very many pinky centric episodes so it's kind of nice to see him getting more of a spotlight here yeah same here because it is they are like a duo so it's it's only fair to give pinky some moments in the spotlight yeah it it seems only fair as well and i mean even the, the warner segments some of these sound like a lot of fun too like Fighting over who knows the longest word. That definitely sounds like a fun sibling episode. Uh, and same so. with the uh, the Magna Carta song. That seems like something up the Warner's alley. Yeah, I noticed that they're bringing more like uh, history uh, related segments into the Warner's bits, which I'm happy to see because it's something I kind of missed. Um, yeah, because they did that a lot in like the first season. There's like they do like a lot of history episodes, like Albert Einstein, Picasso, yeah, Michelangelo. Yeah, in the original Animaniacs show, they did a lot of, like, you know, the Warner's going back in time and history and, uh, you know, causing mayhem for <laughs> various historical figures, but also kind of helping them discover various things in the process. So it's kind of fun to see them coming back uh, into that here with things like Nero and Magna Carta, etc. So, yeah, uh, that'll be fun. Yep, and then speaking of um, other things that are coming back, which is uh, pop culture parodies. So episode eight has the Warners parodying Oliver Twist. Which was actually mentioned in season one. Uh, there's an episode where Dot is uh, describing some of the things that we're going to see in season two, and she mentioned an Oliver Twist parody. And I think some thought maybe they'll just, they're just pulling our leg. Uh, but no, it's like they actually were serious. We are getting an Oliver Twist parody, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think um, one of the directors on Animaniacs posted the script uh, page on their Instagram. Oh, did they really? Yeah, and it has all the doodles of the characters and like oh, Dickensian garb. <laughs> and I think you see the foil in there as well, so that's going to be a, fo- a lot of fun. 
And then the other episode is uh, Pinky's Hands Have a Mind of Their Own, which another absurd episode, which can go in one or two different directions. So, yeah, again, um, (laughs) like I could see this episode being equal parts funny and cringe, and I have no idea. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of hope no, that they gonna... they lean in the funny ones because it's, it's it's they're embracing the absurdity. They are, and I like I like that. It's like uh, I do hope they lean more in that direction as they go along regarding the absurdity, uh, because there was a lot of a lot of that as a base in the uh, spinoff series or in the original episodes where you would have brain like come up with these crazy ideas, such as let's flood all the apartments to the thirty ninth floor. <laughs> Or, or building, um, or making a chia earth, or ju- yeah. growing a giant vegetable army. Yeah, gi- yeah, giant vegetable army. Or let's let's spin the earth around so fast everyone flies off, except for us, because we're gonna duct tape ourselves to the earth <laughs> in a short amount so, of time, apparently. Yeah. So I I miss the absurdity uh, of the episodes. So I kind of yeah. I hope they get back into that a little bit more. Episode 9, The Warners Don't Know What Something Is, Brain Rigs a College Basketball Tournament, The Warners Question Christopher Columbus's Discoveries, and The Warners Review a Prescription Medication. I think that last one in particular could be really... That sounds like a song right there. Mm, uh, yeah. Them just going down this long list of indescribable ingredients. And or maybe just <laughs> discussing the side effects. Or that. That could also be really funny. Hmm. And then the uh, the college basketball one um, is the uh, it feels reminiscent of the hoop schemes one where Brain becomes a basketball star. Yeah, it does. Like uh, it I hope that he a- becomes a coach. Okay, now that could be funny. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just him becoming a basketball coach and just you know. Well, it's appropriate them bringing sports back into Pinky and the Brain because they actually had a fair few sports episodes and they had a running theme where Brain would just like he would be using the sports for his advantage, whatever the plan was, but then he would get so into the game and become super competitive that he would ruin his chances of takeover because he would become so egotistical and just really a competitive player. And it was kind of this theme. It's like it happened in the golf episode. It happened in hoops games. (laughs) It happened in one or two others. Um, Uh, It happened. Well, no, um, I was going to say, no, the the baseball one, I just recently rewatched. Brain was like going to like win, like get the team to win, but like in the last second, he's like, "Oh, Peaky, you have to, you know, flub the game or whatever, because I have to yeah. be on the pitcher's mound to release my leather repellent." Yeah, that one was different because Picky was involved uh, in the game in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they still obviously lost everything, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, we'll see. So, um, episode ten: the Warners lead a mandatory exercise break. Brain's plan to take over the ISS is foiled by an old adversary. The Warners queue up some targeted ads, and Starbucks fails to escape Cindy during bath time. Yeah, so the space one, we actually saw some footage from the trailer, and they yes, look so did. adorable in their spacesuits. They look super cute in their spacesuits. Like, there's there's a few things to talk about for this episode 10. Uh, it's like, yeah, so you got the you got them in their spacesuits but it also says they're foiled by an old adversary it's like okay well who could this be this could be julia uh from episode eight of the season one reboot it could be a future brain because it's old yeah old adversary so it could be future brain Uh, yeah i don't know if they mean old as in older or just a past foe uh so it could be future brain 
It could even be Snowball uh, from the spinoff series, which I kind of doubt. Yeah. Uh, but it's not impossible. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, this episode also is showing that they are continuing with the Starbucks and Cindy series uh, with those little shorts. Mm-hmm. So they're still doing those. And episode 11 includes Yako explains the history of the world. So maybe we're getting kind of a sequel to countries of the world. <laughs> Gerard has a gnome in his mouth. So the gnome in his mouth segment is returning. Picky and Brain are mouse napped by another supervillain. And Dot gives a dramatic math lesson about beach balls. All right. <laughs> the supervillain one is another one that piques my interest because... Same. It could be any. It could be anybody. Um, actually, my theory is it might be Dark Pinky from the comics. I really hope so. And if that happens, I definitely know of a few people that are going to freak the heck out <laughs> if it is Dark Pinky. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go down that direction. But I mean, if the Ducktales reboot like referenced like a lot of deep cuts from the. Carl Barks comics, then who's to say that the people on the Animaniacs reboot might reference some things from the Animaniacs comics? That would be really interesting if they took that direction and actually, yeah, like reference some things from the comics, which would be very obscure. But I like that though, um, for the super fans of you guys that actually read uh, some of the Pinky and the Brain comics that were released back in the 90s. There's a character named Dark Pinky who's basically like, <laughs> evil the pinky alter, yeah the alter ego the evil uh evil version of pinky who is like not like as evil as your typical supervillain or anything but uh still like a fun foil uh for pinky and brain so and some people really like uh this concept and have done like fan art and things of dark pinky so they know. did a lot of fan art of dark pinky and future brain that is true so that would be interesting if we got future brain back and dark pinky uh, so we'll so we'll see. And uh, episode 12, the Warners pick up a bunch of stranded mythical creatures before a flood. So it's Noah's Ark episode, I think. We actually saw um, a little piece of that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a Noah's Ark uh, parody. The Warners apologize to their viewers. Picky and Brian tried to take over the world with music in the 60s. And the Warners revisit some archival footage. Yeah, so... Um... Wouldn't be the first time that the mice tried to use music in the 60s. Because yeah. we had Brain's Way, which is a Frank Sinatra episode. Yes, we've had that. And we had... Um, All You Need is Narf, which is the uh, the Beatles parody. Yep, that's the Beatles parody. And we had um, a Pinky Point of View, which had um, a musical theme to it. I don't yeah. remember exactly what they were pairing. If they were pairing 70s or 80s music. Oh, that was, um, that was 90s grunge music. Was it 90s Because they were going up to Seattle in that one. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm kind of hoping that they kind of do different genres within the 60s. I'd like to see them, like, either tackle Motown or <laughs> or maybe some, like, Simon and Garfunkel parody with Pinky and the Brain. It would be really fun to see them, yeah, tackle, like, yeah, different uh, different kinds of genres. But we'll see what they do with it. As you mentioned before, it's not the first time that they have brought music into Pinky and the Brain segments, so it'd be fun to see what they do with that. Yep. And then, as for the archival footage, we don't know if it's either, like, stuff from, like, the original show, or maybe, like, some of the 30s cartoons that the Warners starred in. 
I don't know. It's a good question. Um, yeah, the archival footage, I mean, I'm guessing it'll be kind of like uh, one of the past season two episode uh, descriptions that we read earlier, where uh, Nora has to find some uh, unaired, like, uh, Pinky and the Brain <laughs> pilots and episodes. Maybe they're doing a similar thing. Whether the yeah. are revisiting some of their old, like, their own personal archival footage. Yeah, because there were a couple of uh, segments that like featured the Warner segments, like Babylon Bijou. Yep, was one. Uh, the The Warner 65th anniversary episode showcased a lot of Warner's cartoons that they would have made during that time. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, okay, archival footage. Are they talking about stuff from the 90s? Are they talking about further back? If we're going into Animaniacs lore, uh, which is the background story for the for the Animaniacs, the Warner's kids, and that they were created in the the 30s um, and have been around like since then, according to their their history. So I don't know if they're going to go that far back or if they're going to just like if the archival footage is considered like if 90s is considered archival footage uh, at this point, which I guess it would be. So I don't know. We'll see. Yep. And then episode 13 is all Warner segments. Um, yep. The Warners take a retro look. So that might be the 80s cats. Yeah, that segment. might be it. Uh, the Warners work as Beg- Benjamin Franklin's apprentices, <laughs> which should be very interesting. Another history segment. Yep. Uh, the Warners take a DNA test only to find out that they're, re- they're related to the CEO. Yeah, this one. <laughs> it could be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I really I don't mean, know, like, maybe they're going to like pull like a fast one on us by saying, oh, it's a uh, fake. It might be, I mean, yeah, they might just be doing like, oh, fake DNA test, um, mm-hmm. or they might be serious. I personally, I really hope that they're not serious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just don't, for one thing, we don't really know the CEO that well. She hasn't really made a lot of appearances in the in the reboot, and she doesn't really seem to have a lot here either. Um, I mean, she, other than like the second episode and like, I think the Super su- Sweet 16, because we see like the girl... And that like that one from the trailers, she looks like she could be related to Nora. So hmm, possibly, yeah. So hopefully, we get some more from her. We'll we'll find out, and it won't be too long till we find out either, because November fifth is when the season premieres. So so get ready for it. Oh yeah. And lastly, I want to address some mistakes that I've made. So last uh, for the last review episode, I mentioned that. Jockey for Position aired on the October 18th, 1993. I was wrong. Jockey for Position actually aired on October 25th, 1993. So it's actually its anniversary on the day that we're recording this. Uh, Yay! Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary, (laughs) Jockey for Position. (laughs) Yep, happy anniversary to your dad's directed uh, directorial (laughs) Pinky and the Brain cartoon. Yeah, because the day we're recording this is October 25th uh, of 2021. So, yeah, it's its anniversary today, which is which is kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't know that until you pointed that out. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it, maybe it all worked out. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, the other thing I have to uh, address is I neglected in the past couple episodes, I neglected to describe the title cards for those segments. So for Opportunity Knocks and Jockey for Position. So I just want to quickly describe those. So Opportunity Knox has a black title card with a shiny gold bar on the bottom right corner. And the title is in orange and the credits are in teal. And the title card for Jockey for Position is a racetrack on a sunny day with spectators filling the sands. 
You know, title cards don't get enough uh, recognition, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. I feel like, I, I mean, especially since this is like an audio medium, I want to like just really describe them. And they usually have a lot of great title cards for the, um, for all of them, like the Animaniacs, the Pinky and the yeah. Brain spinoff. And um, even the um, the reboot has some really cool title cards. They do. It's like there actually were some pretty impressive ones. Like I really liked the one for, um, oh, what was it? No Brainer? Yeah, for, I think it was No Brainer. That's the third. Yeah, because they try to emulate Saul Bass's artwork. Yeah, so you get this. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the movie now. Uh, Catch me if you can. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the the title card for that uh, reminded me of the poster for that. I think it's like similar. So yeah, I really appreciate that uh, Saul Bass reference that they made with those, and they had like several different versions of that title card too, and they're all really nicely done. Yeah, I think uh, Gabe Swar, the producer of Animaniacs, posted that up, and we'll try to give a link in the just in the episode description. Yeah, we'll try to remember to do that because uh, these these people they work hard and they deserve recognition for what they do. Definitely. Oh yeah, they've like the like the title like the artists for like the title cars they do like such awesome immaculate work. So props yeah. to those people. Absolutely. Yep. So with all of that out of the way, uh, <laughs> all that addressed. Let's go on to our first Pinky in the Brain segment of the episode, Bubba Boba Brain. Yay. So Bubba Boba Brain first premiered on November 4th, 1993, and it aired alongside Clownin' Out, a wacko-centric Warner segment where he retaliates against a clown while Mr. Plot sees Dr. Scratch and Sniff to discuss his own fear of clowns. And the episode is capped off with a Wheel of Morality segment. And Bubba Boba Brain was written by Sherry Stoner, directed by Gary Hartle, Audu Payton, and Dave Marshall. Animation was done by Wang Film Production. And the title card is a blue stage with purple curtains decorated with glittering stars. And the text for the title is in an Old West font, presumably in Nashville font. So the episode starts off at Acme Labs, as usual, where Brain is reading a book that contains information on subliminal mind control. And he calls out to Pinky, who is seated in front of the TV, listening to the music of country music star Willie Ray Cypress, which is a reference to Billy Ray Cyrus, as some of you probably know. And Brain then shows Pinky his latest plan for world domination, the subliminal mind control. And he plays his recording, but Pinky thinks that it's not a very danceable tune. And Brain, <laughs> Brain replies to this saying, well, if people heard this message enough times... He'll succumb to mind con- to my control, and we can take over the world. So as he's thinking of a way to get the recording out, uh, he hears Pinky in the background watching the TV again, only this time uh, showing some fans of Willie Ray Cypress on the TV. And as Brain struts over to the TV, we get a close-up shot of Brain's behind as he walks over to Pinky, says, are you pondering what I'm pondering? And Pinky replies, well, I think so, Brain, but Burlap chased me so... <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of begs the question, like, why would Pinky wear the same material used for Peggy potatoes? But this Maybe they, he's trying about. to train for a potato sack brace. Maybe so. <laughs> but Brain replies, country music. And so he decides he's going to go to Nashville to be the biggest country music star of all time. So that way everyone will hear his record and his subliminal message to boot. And Pinky praises Brain for this, but he does find a flaw in the plan. It takes years of hard work to become famous. Pinky even cites Kathy Lee Gifford, who did community theater, but Brain bonks him with a tiny club, and he states that he must think. 
So the following scene has Brain typing on the computer by hopping around on the keyboard in the most adorable <laughs> way possible. So cute. So he's just typing in the uh, necessary ingredients to become a bona fide, successful country music star. And Pinky even reads aloud each aspect from the list. I have calculated every ingredient necessary to become a country music megastar. Read me the list, Pinky. A cowboy hat. Check. A southern dialect. Check, y'all. Nice brain. Working class values. I enjoy beef jerky and the comedy stylings of Gallagher. Check. A song. Check. A name consisting of not less than three words. From now on, I shall be Bubba Bobob Brain. Check. So Brain says check to almost every item, from cowboy hat to working class values, and even, you know, dubbing himself Bubba Bobob Brain. But when Pinky states that he needs to be at least six feet tall, Brain realizes that he needs to make some adjustments to fit this item office's criteria. So instead of using the human suit, he actually decides to try on some stilts. <laughs> so the following scene has them adorably sewing <laughs> these really thin, long pairs of jeans that are six <laughs> feet long. And even Pinky's kind of running on the thread spool and he gets kind of, you know, stuck in the uh, thread and goes down the machine like Max from the Grinch Christmas special <laughs> with Max's <laughs> tail. And he's just like, Ehh. And then Brain, he's like, Pinky, you never fail to amaze me. <laughs> yeah. And Pinky's like, I try my best. Yeah, he's like, I do my best, Brain. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so and cool. then the following scene has Pinky pulling up the the jeans over Brain Stilts, who's just like, it has that establishing shot of Brain standing up and then it pans down to the stilts to really get a sense of how big he is. <laughs> and then once Brain tries on the jeans, he's like, yippee ki yay <laughs> In the most deadpan manner possible. Yep. And then Brain declares Pinky as his new manager, which is uh, dubbing him Colonel Pinky. <laughs> and he tells him that Brain Pinky found Brain strumming his guitar on a humble pig farm. And when he asks Pinky any questions, Pinky replies, oh, just one. When you farm humble pigs, how far apart do you have to plant them? <laughs> and Brain scoffs at him. He's like, if I could reach you, I could hurt you. <laughs> and they're like, off to Nashville. And then Brain turns around and slams into the door, <laughs> into the wall above the door. And he's like, this pain is going to linger. <laughs> and then once they go out the lab, uh, it fades to black. And then once the episode picks up again, uh, the mice decide to board a bus to Nashville. And when the uh, Brain approaches the ticket counter, the lady in the booth flirts with Brain, calling him a tall glass of water. <laughs> but Brain ignores this. He's like, I'm a lab mouse on stilts. And he leaves. And then the mice are about to board the bus. And Pinky is even dressed in his first of many cowboy outfits. He looks like Colonel Sanders, the KFC guy. <laughs> And Brain is about to enter in, but he slams into the bus on top of the bus again. <laughs> so cute. And then we get an establishing shot of Nashville and we see the Warners uh, make their seemingly obligatory cameo <laughs> dressed in Western attire. And we see Yakko riding on Wacko like a horse as they flee from Ralph the guard. And Ralph is holding a guitar like he's about to smash them, <laughs> which is a nice little detail. 
Yeah, I love the little uh, Warner's insertions uh, when they would pop in to a pinky in the brain segment and pop back out again. It was cute. And then we transition over to the Rowdy Ranch nightclub where Bubba Bob Brain is about to make his debut. And Pinky asks what they're doing there while he messes up Brain's stage name. And it's not the first time he does this. This time he calls him Booble Baba Brain. Booble Baba Brain. Booble Baba Brain. And Brain corrects it. He's like, he corrects him. He's like, it's Bubba Boba Brain. And then he explains that an inordinate number of country music stars got their start at that, this very establishment. Picky asks if Minnie Pearl had performed there, and Brain dryly replies, one can only hope before smashing into the wall yet again. <laughs> <laughs> and so before their debut, we get a country singer performing a song about a telephone repairman, and backstage, meanwhile, Brain and Brain tells Pinky to play the subliminal message once he gives the signal. And Pinky says, Righto, Bibble Bebop Balula. <laughs> and Brain, Brain sardonically responds, Sometimes you frighten me, Pinky. And then Pinky get and then Brain gets on stage, excuse me, awkwardly addresses the audience by saying, You all, as opposed to y'all. <laughs> He's like, Hey there, you all. Here's a little ditty I wrote. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. You yep, all with this forced smile on yep. his face too. Yep. Howdy, you all. Here's a little ditty I wrote. Hope you enjoy it, you all. And so he plays his little tune. I am a lab mouse. I escaped from my cage. Never had a job. Never earned minimum wage. He ain't half bad. Half good either. But you will respect me, yes, once my plan is unfurled. You will call me your leader, I'll be king of the world. Now, Pinky. And after the song ends, Brain tells Pinky to play the message, and the message successfully reaches the ears of the once ambivalent audience as they succumb to Brain's commands of purchasing his record and listening to it 20 times a day. And we kind of end on this scene with Brain giving a very smug smile indeed at the camera. His, his first stage of his plan is accomplished. Yep. In the following scenes document Brain's rise to stardom. First, there is a brief scene at the music store with Brain's records on one of the stands, and people clamor to buy his cassette tapes. Remember those? Right off the those. shelves. <laughs> I missed them. <laughs> And then we get a radio station named K Hicks as an enthusiastic DJ could not get enough of Bob Boba Brain's hit song. And then next Brain appears on a country music talk show as he's greeted by Dolly Parton. And what next comes next is probably the most infamous adult jokes on the show. <laughs> well, he's the hottest thing to hit Nashville since my mama's jalapeno grits. Here's Bubba Boba Brain. I'm your biggest fan. What do you say to that? I'd say puberty was inordinately kind to you. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, he says, uh, I can't remember what Dolly says to him. He's like, you know, she's like, I'm your biggest fan. What do you say to that? And Brain's like, I'd say puberty has been inordinately kind to you. Yeah. In the most, like, astute and just, <laughs> you know, monotone way possible. Yeah. It was but she laughs it off and is like, Go on. And then Brain appears on Yeehaw. And stars in a short skit with a scantily clad young lady. 
And they just, they do this awkward joke and they're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, it's really cringy. <laughs> it's so, like, hilarious, though. It's like an ad for chips or something. Like, no, it's like, know. oh, it's like, hey, Bob, 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 Brain, I got back from France. And Brain's like, how would you find it? And she's like, I used a map. And they're like, oh, ah, yeah, ha, 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 I remember ha. that. And the most, like, dry possible. <laughs> He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And they just got to, like, there's a smear animation going down, which is really funny. <laughs> and then we appear at the Country Tune Awards which is hosted by Garth Brooks and Crystal Gale emceeing the ceremony. And Brain wins the award for best male vocal. And Pinky is just ecstatic for Brain. And Brain is like, Pinky, you're embarrassing me. Before he gets up. And Brain grumpily accepts his award. He first eloquently expresses his supposed joy over winning. Uh, but then the MCs are confused. But Brain simply states, I'd like to thank my mama and Elvis. And everybody cheers at his simplified speech. And then we get a news reporter dropping some exposition on Bubba Bobob Brain's performance at the Grand Ole Opry. And she adds, in two words, Bubba is hot and winks at the camera. <laughs> Inside the concert venue, Kenny Rogers sings a parody of The Gambler, but it's switched out for Go Fish. <laughs> and Brain and Pinky are waiting in the wings. Brain explains that when the audience hears his song one last time, the world will be his for the taking. And Brain is in an ir irritable mood again when Pinky almost forgets his role and answers the question wrong and even messes up his name again. Yep, and then Brain is called to the stage and he performs his song and the audience even sings along with him before the tape's played. And there's this nice kind of rotating camera movement around Brain as he sings his, sings his little ditty. And after the song is finished, Pinky obediently plays the tape, and everyone in the audience becomes hypnotized. And Pinky cheers, saying, way to go, blubber, blubber boo bean brain. <laughs> but he immediately slaps his head in regret, and brain just kind of snaps. Like, this is just the last straw. Like, he turns and he yells at Pinky, way to go, blubber boo bean brain! Nuff! Do me a favor and forget my name. While you're at it, forget you ever knew me. He's, he's like, forget my name. While you're at it, forget you even knew me. And this is a huge mistake because he is saying this uh, with the audience under his influence. And so his short temper basically causes the whole plan to fall apart. So the audience uh, out from their trance complains you know, about this no name being on stage and they start jeering at him and Brain dejectedly bumps his head into the microphone, knowing that he messed up the plan once again. So back at the lab, the mice are watching the news report of the incident on TV. Brain tells Picky to shut it off as he goes back to his cage, and the mice then engage in their nightly routine of what they plan to do tomorrow night. Tonight's inside story, a complete unknown somehow made it onto the stage at the Grand Ole Opry. Turn that off, Pinky. I'm trying to concentrate on a better plan for tomorrow night. Why, Brain? What are we going to do tomorrow night? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. They're Pinky, they're Pinky, and the Brain, 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 Brain. And that is Bubba Boba Brain. Very fun episode. Um, the only thing I really don't like about it is the fact that it's the only one that Sherry Stoner wrote, and I really wish that she had written more because it's a hilarious episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I wish he had done more. Yeah, same here. I th- you know, yeah. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to our thoughts on the episode. We will. Uh, but right now, let's go over some firsts. So this is the first episode to be centered around music, as Brain's plan for world domination involves playing music and using that to insert his subliminal message. Uh, there are other music heavy, heavy episodes in the spinoff series. The episode Brain's Way, which is a parody of Frank Sinatra, as Brain becomes a successful lounge singer in 1960s Las Vegas. Yes, plans. I've made a few, but I'm not through. I am tenacious. I'll do what I must do to take the world, but I'll be gracious. And he even sings a lot of uh, parody songs from uh, singer Frank Sinatra, such as Brain's Way, uh, which is a parody of My Way, obviously. And then other parodies like High Hopes. <laughs> that, that episode's a lot of fun. It is a fun one. One of my faves. Um, the episode All You Need Is Narf has the mice come into contact with the, their universe's equivalent of the Beatles. Broadway Malady has the mice writing their own musicals. And The Really Great Dictator has the mice perform a musical number about Brain's dictatorial ambitions, which is filmed by a security camera. <laughs> which probably would have been sent out to the world, I guess, but... <laughs> Uh, the beginning of Hoop Schemes has the mice busk on the streets as folk singers. They have these like little groovy hippie outfits. Yep. Uh, the Pinky POV has the mice travel to Seattle to play in a grunge band. Uh, Pinky Elmira in the Brain had an episode called The Girl with the Extra Nothing. It's called The Girl with Nothing Extra, I think, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the show's <laughs> so forgettable that even I can't remember the episode titles. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Which is a testament to that show, but um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so they has the mice and Elmira play in a band that parodies the one-hit wonder group Hanson. Yeah, um, and then th- as we mentioned earlier, the second season has um, of the Anime X reboot has an episode in which Pinky and Brain will try to take over the world through music in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, so nice to see that uh, music continues to be a theme uh, with these characters throughout. Yep, and this is the first Pinky the Brain episode to feature original songs. So Brain's hit song is King of the World, while the short song sung by Willie Ray Cypress is Empty Hollow Head. Pinky? Today's inside story is country megastar Willie Ray Cypress. Don't tell my head, my empty hollow head. You know I wouldn't understand. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Which is a parody of the Billy Ray Cyrus's hit song from 1992, "Achy Breaky Heart," <laughs> which I I have a very um, I have such disdain for that song for, for entirely different reasons. Now I'm curious. <laughs> okay, so because in middle school we would have assemblies where we would have to perform like dance numbers and skits. Oh no! And I don't know if this is like a normal middle school thing or it's like something that we're just like you know our school is the exception. That's pretty funny. Like, it's funny, but also cringy. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, but seriously, um, it gets even uh, cringier because um, my, um, they were all coordinated by the vice principal of our school, oh who I want to describe as a cross between a military sergeant and a aspiring Broadway playwright. Because <laughs> she's, like, super uh, dramatic and very authoritarian. 
That makes it even funnier, honestly. She seems like a character from, like, Animaniacs, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, one of the songs that we had to perform during the Valentine's Day assembly is Achy Breaky Heart. And we had to, like, awkwardly shuffle on stage. Oh my god! And we would just be like, you could tell the world you never were my girl. <laughs> and it's just so, so cringy. And That's so like, it's, funny. It's so funny too. But um, yeah, that was one of the reasons why I don't really like that song. It's just not a song I would expect someone like that to pick. Like, for the class. Like, for the school to perform. And this was back in, like, 2004. Like... Oh, my gosh. Because, like, our... Again, our our teachers and our vice principal had a penchant for the oldies, as one would expect. That would... That would make... That makes a little more sense, then. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, (laughs) back on track. Um, a lot of people will probably know, um, Billy Ray Cyrus, um, as the father of pop star Miley Cyrus and... He was uh, he collaborated with Lil Nas X for his debut hit song "Old Town Road." I did not know about that second. <laughs> oh yeah, I know about that second one, but I definitely knew about uh, the uh, you know him being Miley Cyrus's father. I actually watched Hannah Montana. Like I did watch some of that show. Yeah, I oh, I had a disdain for that show too because I'm like I was at that age where I'm like I'm getting a little too old for this. Yeah, it's okay. It's not. It's it's nothing. It's nothing to write home about. Like, it's not the worst show ever that they've done, but it wasn't as good as like some of their other shows. Like that's so Raven and <laughs> like it's no it's no Lizzie McGuire. No, it yeah <laughs> yeah. The singer at the Rowdy Ranch nightclub sings a parody of Glenn Campbell's Wichita Line Man. I am a telephone repairman from this area. Which is the, uh, I am a lineman from the county. Oh, okay. Hannah. Yeah. (laughs) Personally, I'm more of a fan of Rhinestone Cowboy. (laughs) And then the Kenny Rogers sings a parody of The Gambler, but with Goldfish, which is cute. (laughs) It is cute. You gotta know how to cut up, know how to shuffle, know how to deal the cards before you play fish with me. And uh, so yeah, this episode really skewers a lot of the old country classics. Yeah, definitely. This is also the first Pinky in the Brain episode to involve mind control in subliminal messages. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is uh, a little bit of a staple in the Pinky in the Brain uh, show. They would do this in the spinoff with the uh, the Christmas episode with uh, Brain mass-producing the Noodle Noggin dolls. Yep. Uh, das Mouse, which is the first episode of the Pinky and the Brain spinoff, has Brain making hypnotic pancakes to feed to the masses. <laughs> yeah. And even the first episode of the reboot of Mice and Memes has Brain creating a subliminal filter that he would use to force viewers into submission. Once I have the gaze of the world upon my endearing photograph... I will activate this polarized subliminal filter and everyone will be under my control. I'll do anything you tell me, Brain. Genius, is it not? And all by manipulating the alpha waves of the human brain. There's a human you! If that actually worked, like, he actually, like, his plan succeeded. It did. That like- time, but then Pinky... 
shared another meme with that filter and the whole plan fall apart fell apart as usual <laughs> and uh there, additionally there's the uh the brainwash trilogy features a similar plot with the hit song having a subliminal message which is the uh the macarena parody the schmierskehoven yeah put your hands in the air like you won a big prize Pop yourself on the head and cross your eyes. Yeah, Just as I suspected, Pinky. These policemen are addicted to the Schmierskehoven. Do you know what this means? They won't get the dreaded policeman's down that gut? No, Pinky. It means they too have been infected by this heinous plot to dumb down the world. But, however, with that episode, Brain did not come up with that plan. So, he and Pinky team up to track down the mastermind behind the nefarious scheme. And it is a three-parter, mind you. Yeah, it's basically their movie uh, from that time. But Mind Control, it definitely is one of the staples of the series. You would see it come into play uh, on occasion, where they would use this as a, a way of trying to take over the world. And even in the reboot, it still comes into play in episode eight uh, with Julia. Oh, yeah, um, that's he right. Uses, he uses yeah. the obedience chip. Yep, so that's a form of mind control as well. So it's interesting that they brought that back in a much more nefarious way. Uh, but yeah, so that theme has been been used on a few occasions throughout the, sh- the series. Uh, moving on uh, with other firsts, this is the first and only Pinky and the Brain episode that's written by Sherry Stoner, as mentioned earlier. Uh, Stoner was one of the producers and writers on Animaniacs, and she's also the voice of uh, Slappy Squirrel. So you probably know her best as that character uh, from the original Animaniacs. But she wrote, this was the only Pinky in the Brain episode that she wrote. Uh, and that includes anything from the spinoff, etc. Yeah. So, which is a shame because like, I really liked the writing of Bobo Brain. I thought it was hilarious. I would love to have seen her do more Pinky in the Brain episodes. But alas, this was the only one that she did. I mean, she did get a story credit on Pavlov's Mice. Okay. That counts. <laughs> yeah. But this is the only one that she kind of wrote. Right, that she actually scripted. Uh, this is the first instance of another Pinky and the Brain running joke where Brain would ask any questions, and Pinky would reply with just one before making a very silly question. And this joke would later be used in the Pinky Elmira and the Brain show, where Pinky would ask a very silly question, and Brain would dismiss it at first, but then later answer it at the end of the episode. Well, it looks like we're just about set. Any questions? Just one. How come Elton John gets older and older, but his hair gets younger and younger? I meant regarding our science project. It might be a weave. What? Elton John's hair. I think it might be a weave. Oh, thanks, Brain. You're welcome. (sighs) So it was kind of a... (laughs) It was kind of a running joke, and one of the few things I actually liked about the Elmira... uh, series yeah was uh this kind of a character back and forth between the characters just them not focusing on almira just them just doing ridiculous banter yeah where picky would just ask this random question and brain wouldn't answer it to the very very end of the show so that was kind of a fun little insertion that was more unique to that show but it does show up here and this is also the first episode to feature brain on stilts he would wear them again in uh, the spin-off episode Brains Bogey, where he impersonates Cher to compete in a celebrity golf tournament. And he has this whole getup of matching purple sweatshirts, sweatpants, and <laughs> he's got this long black wig. 
But some folks mistake Brain as Olympia Dukakis, who starred alongside Cher in the movie Moonstruck. So he does uh, go on stilts again for that episode. Uh, but it wasn't, he wouldn't usually do that. Usually he would just bring out the, the human suit. suit. Yeah, the human suit and just masquerade as, you know, a human male that way. Yeah. I would have loved to see Brain on elevator shoes, on platform shoes. <laughs> Didn't they do that once? I, they did uh, I mean, time. they did the, um, it might have been in the comics. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe it was the comics. That would be yeah. funny to actually see it in an episode, though. <laughs> that would be cute. Yeah. So this is uh, this episode features the first instance of a human flirting with bra- uh, one of the mice. So yes, we had like the ticket booth lady flirting with Brain. We had the news reporter saying, Bubba is hot. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just, it's very concerning. It's funny. <laughs> it is funny, though. This joke would appear quite often in the spinoff series, uh, where both mice have their fair share of human flirtations. Uh, so, of Mouse and Man has a scene where Brain comes into contact with one of the office workers, and she flirts with him in a very compromising position, even wrapping his her arms around him. And uh, this old mouse has a couple of instances where Brain is in bed with a human woman. Thankfully, they're both fully clad as they're like, Brain is just laying in bed and she's like, what do you want to do, Brain? Were they on a rug or something? Or on a they bed? were on a bed. Oh my gosh. Okay, like, I, I, remember, I remember that scene was so, I was like, they were parroting something. Um, I think, I just don't remember what they were parroting. Uh, you said moment. it might have been uh, Pulp Fiction. I no, it wasn't Pulp Fiction. It's something else entirely. I, I don't remember what it is, uh, but I think it's parroting maybe a James Bond film or something. I, I don't, I don't know, uh, but it's parroting something or The Graduate or something. That's a good question. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I don't know. In any case, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> and then there's the other scene in that episode where Brain is a, a ski instructor and a pair of uh, blonde twins flirt with Brain. As they ski down the slope, and Brain makes one of the most hilarious remarks, and even gives out this ridiculous grin, even showing his gums. Bonjour, Jean-Claude Brain. <laughs> yes, ski bunnies. Could life get any better? That darn smile. That, that darn smile. Uh, the pinky Elmira in the Brain Show has the unfortunate running gag of Elmira's neighbor, Rudy, constantly flirting with Brain whenever he's dressed up as Patty Ann. My name is Patty Ann. I'm uh, Elmira's cousin. Go away. I'm having a nice tea. You're cute. I ditched school today. I know where to get some dynamite. Want to blow up a dumpster? You're a peeping Tom. You should be put in children's prison. Did you see any mice in Elmira's room? Talking mice. <laughs> what a portly, insane boy you are. Yeah, that was pretty awkward, too. It's awkward and cringy, and yeah. it's like this whole love, like, I, w- I don't want to say love triangle, but it's like, because Elmira obviously is trying to, like, flirt with Rudy. Rudy doesn't like the mice because he's, like, a sadistic little, you know, monster. <laughs> And basically, and but Rudy is also smitten with Patty Ann, who is this brain in his bulking suit. Yeah, and it was a running joke in that show. It is, it's so weird, so awful, and cringy. 
It's like they were trying to bring the human suit thing back, but they did it in just a really awkward kind of a way. I think, I think it was actually the very first episode of the Elmira. Yeah, it was the very first episode, and they kind of all the way until like the last episode. Yep. So they, they tried to make that a thing. Yeah, almost the last episode. The very last episode, I think, is... Um, it was the... Uh, the Zorro, Zorro parody. It was the Zorro parody, but before that was like... It was there at the party. Yeah, so the suit did come back for that. Yeah. So uh, Pinky would also get his fair share of flirting. The episode My Film is My Friends, and this old mouse would have Pinky being on the receiving end of their neighbor, Mr. Sultana, who is yep. very enamored with Pinky's alias, Mrs. Feldman. Dirty, dirty, dirty! You ain't Mrs. Feldman! <gasps> Mrs. Feldman! I saw the Mr. Feldman live to find himself, so I brought some gift to cheer you up. Um, I'm in the shower! You'll have to come back some other time! Uh, Pinky Suavo has Pinky being possessed by an ultra-cool version of him. Who manages to make everybody swoon on, over him? And the episode, the reboot episode, Pinko in the Brain, features a brief scene of Pinky caked in makeup and from the cosmetics lab as um, a senator thirsts over Pinky. Yeah, that was also a. a <laughs> it was weird. It was also weird. It's like it's it's a reference to um, uh, cosmetic testing. Uh, been land animals, which is very unfortunate and still goes on, which it should not. But, uh, but yeah, it's like that. Uh, they still continued with that kind of a theme uh, in that episode as well in the reboot. And I wonder if we'll, we'll probably get that in Miss Universe too. I imagine the Miss Universe pageant with Pinky is oh, probably yeah. going to get some more flirting stuff. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and the very last first, this is the first and only Pinky in the Brain episode to be adapted into a read-along CD, which was released in 1997. And the CD featured two original songs, which are both bops. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they slap. They're, they're pretty funny. Yee-haw, hee-haw, this world is like a seesaw, you're up and you're down. Brain. I've got more power than a chainsaw chain. Who am I? Bubba Bobob Brain. The first song is a fun title, a song about Bubba Bobob Brain, and the second song is the song that Brain sings at the nightclub about him wanting to take over the world. But it's not King of the World, it's something else. Yeah, it's something else. Yeah, uh, but um, I think what I love about it is that Pinky and Brain both sing on both songs. Yep. Of Memphis, Paris, Nashville. Oh! I'll be chairman, boss the big cheese, and grand poobah. I will achieve this, man, woman, boy, and girl. Hey, got a lap mouse. We'll take over the world. You sound like Johnny Cash, Brain. I walk the line, Pinky. And you can kind of tell that, like, Rob and Maurice were having a good time. It sounds like they were having fun in the recording studio doing this, but they always have fun playing those characters. So, yeah, yeah. that must have been fun for them. Yeah, and this was, like, released a little later, so it was, like, when they kind of, like, adjust their voices, so Brain's not yep. as monotone, and Pinky's kind of more high-pitched uh, yep. British. Yep. So, yeah, so now let's move on to some fun facts. 
Um, there were plenty of uh, celebrity name drops and parodies in this episode. Willie Ray Cypress is obviously a parody of Billy Ray Cyrus. Pinky mentions Kathy Lee Gifford. Bring cringes when he mentions that he enjoys the comedy stylings of Gallagher. <laughs> and he's referring to prop comedian Leo Anthony Gallagher, who is best known for smashing fruit and his famous sledge-o-matic routine. <laughs> and even one of the Animaniacs episodes, The Taming of the Screwy, features Gallagher as one of the guests attending the big party at the Warner Studio lot. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. Yeah. He has, like, the big, like, the hammer, and he's about to smash a watermelon. Yeah, I do remember that. Yep. They also mentioned Minnie Pearl, who was an American country comedian who usually performed at the Grand Ole Opry and even appeared on Hee Haw, <laughs> which we'll mention. Um, and then there are also some celebrity characters of country music artists, such as Dolly Parton. Probably the most notable one in the episode. Yep. Garth Brooks, Crystal Gale, and Kenny Rogers. And Pinky's alias of uh, Colonel Pinky is a reference to country music manager Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis's manager. And he was infamously quite known for being a very incompetent manager during Elvis's career. Yeah. <laughs> so this is either Brain making a jab at Pinky's competency as a manager or... Brain has a poor grasp on music history. <laughs> uh, also, in this episode, uh, Brain appears in the music talk show TNN, which is a parody of Crook and Chase, which is a country music-themed talk show, which aired on the Nashville Network, which ran from 1986 to 1999, and the host even resembles host Charlie Chase. Brain also appears in the show Yeehaw, which is a parody of the classic country variety show Yeehaw, which aired on CBS from the late 60s and into the early 70s. And the two concert venues that Brain plays at are the Rowdy Ranch Nightclub and the Grand Ole Opry. There is no club in Nashville named the Rowdy Ranch, but there is a ranch in Del Valle, Texas, called Rowdy Ranch, which sells milk and soap. <laughs> it additionally has uh, German Angora rabbits, dairy goats, dogs, and Sebastopol geese. The Grand Ole Opry is a country music stage concert in Nashville that showcases many famous singers and bands who perform country, bluegrass, Americana, folk, and gospel music. And the Grand Ole Opry attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors all over the world and millions of radio listeners. So, so yeah, Brain was incredibly close to taking over the world as he performed at one of the biggest and most renowned concert venues in the world. But his ego was bigger and his short temper messed everything up as it does on numerous occasions. Yep. And uh, another fun fact is Pinky makes a reference to the classic Frank Capra film, It's a Wonderful Life, when he answers Brain's question, so do you know what will happen next after we play this tape? Pinky replies, an angel will get its wings, which is um, the <laughs> yeah. quote was spoken by Zuzu, who's George Bailey's youngest daughter. Yeah. And she explains that every time a bell rings, an angel will get its wings. I love that reference. Me too. <laughs> it was short. It was cute. And uh, the cage door screen swipe from Win Big is used for the ending of this episode as well, as Brain closes the cage door behind him and the screen swipes to an exterior shot of Acme Labs. And they did not use the screen swipe very often, uh, from what I recall. Uh, I think that was like the last time they used it. It might have been, actually. And um, the Pinky and the Brain spinoff episode, It's Only a Paper World, would actually have some callbacks to Bobo Bob Brain. First of which is during the scene where Brain calls every newspaper company in the world and ends each call by saying y'all in a very droning monotone voice like he did in Bob Brain. Uh, it, it, this gets even more ridiculous when he speaks in different languages. 
And he ends everyone with y'all. Yep. Hello, Zach at Bimbabwe News. Y'all. Uh, the second callback is when Pinky mentions Brain giving him a t-shirt from Dollywood. Why Brain would go to, off to Dollywood in his own is anyone's guess. I can only assume it's from a past plan or something that we just never saw. But I thought that was kind of a cute reference uh, that at some point in time, Brain went to Dollywood and he got Pinky a t-shirt while he was there. Which is very nice. Yeah, very cute. He can be grouchy, but Brain is a very good friend. He, he does care about Pinky, and he will do, like, little sweet things for him. Sometimes grudgingly, but he does care. <laughs> so, yeah, now let's talk about our thoughts on the episode. Cool. So, this is not only one of my favorite Pinky and the Brain episodes on Animaniacs, but this is honestly one of my favorite Animaniacs episodes ever. I love nice. the idea of Brain becoming a country music megastar, and him being so indifferent about his rise to stardom, as it only serves as a means to an end. So when he makes the deadpan compliment to Dolly Parton or even accepts his award, it shows that he just does not care about his celebrity status. Pinky is also great here as he just happily goes along for the ride. He even has some snazzy cowboy outfits, which look adorable. Yeah. Um, I love how Brain is on stilts for the majority of the episode, which must have been really challenging for the animators, but they pulled it off splendidly. And speaking of which, Wang's animation here was really fantastic. Uh, there were some really creative shots and facial expressions, and it's really top-notch stuff. Uh, one other great aspect of this episode is how the plan backfires. I love that Brain was so close to taking over the world, but he messed it up due to his own frustration and ego, which is very hilarious. And I have to give a lot of credit to Sherry Stoner. She did a fantastic job writing for these characters, and there was, uh, from their exchanges to the running gag of Brain smashing against the wall on his stilts. <laughs> And even using words such as inordinately and boob a lot. <laughs> and even the various country music references. So even though I'm not not a big country music fan, uh, this episode did a great job satirizing the genre and its popularity in the early 90s. So overall, Bubba Bubba Brain is one of the most iconic Pinky and the Brain stories ever. <laughs> yeah, agreed with you on a lot of that. The flip side is that I am a big country music fan. It's actually my favorite genre is country music. I'm not sure why, I just really like it. Uh, but So I kind of have a soft spot for this, uh, it having a Western country music theme going on. But in general, it's just a really fun, uh, well-written episode. It's probably my second favorite of the Pinky and the Brain segments in Animaniacs. The number one spot is dedicated to Brain Meets Brawn, which we'll eventually get to. So again, I might be a bit biased being a big fan of country music, but the idea here is not only funny, but it's very hilariously executed uh, with one of the highlights being brain on stilts. Like, as you said, I can imagine that must have been a real like pain in the butt and a challenge for the animators to navigate. But the end result is pretty darn funny. And I also think they did a not a half bad job <laughs> executing that as hard as it must have been and made for some really funny shots. And I love how nonchalant Brain is about just everything. How, like, he just, he just, yeah, as you said, seeing all this as a means to an end. He could care less about the celebrity status or learning how to play guitar, like, all this stuff, like, everything involved. He just wants to take over the world as his end goal. And I love how eager Pinky is to help out with the plan. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Pines, that Wang, Wang animated this episode, and they have, they have a particularly cute style. 
they would bring to these uh, to these characters. And it's always fun to watch on screen. And I like that this is one of many instances of which Brain screws up the plan for himself, as you mentioned. It's like, once again, uh, takeover is in the palm of his hand, but because of his temper and his running mouth, he lets it all go at the drop of a proverbial cowboy hat. It's like, he's just really bad about that. And again, the only bad thing I could say about this episode is that it's the only pinky in the brain bit that Sherry Stoner wrote. I wish she had written more of them. Um, I would love to have seen what other ideas she would have come up with. And I'm disappointed that this is the only one, but I'm still glad that we got it because uh, it's one of my favorite picky in the brain episodes, period. Definitely in the top 10 of all time. Oh yeah. It's, this is great stuff. Yeah. So yeah, now that we've got one episode down, two to go. We're getting there folks. Uh, but they're shorty. So they're, they're really, really quick. Yeah. So for, uh, these two segments in the Garden of Mindy and Pinky and the Cat, they first premiered on November 5th, 1993, and it aired alongside a very special opening where the Warners make an important announcement. In, in between their three interstitials about the Warners mixing up the scripts and how they're responsible for the various crossovers within the episode, and these segments also include No Place Like Homeless, a crossover between Runt from the Rita and Runt cartoons and Pesto from The Good Feathers. Katie Kaboo, in which Katie Kaboo makes her debut in a crossover segment with Chicken Boo. Dottie the Squirrel, in which Dot takes Slappy's place. And Baghdad Cafe, in which the Warner Brothers bother so darn insane the caricature of Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein. And all this Slappy is just there, but she complains about the script. <laughs> Yeah, the it's a fun little uh, agglomeration of episodes where you have a mix-up of the characters with personalities they're not usually paired up with. I kind of wish they'd done more of these. Same. Uh, yeah. So In the Garden of Mindy was written by John P. McCann and directed by Greg Reyna and animated by TMS. The title card features a luscious forest on a beautiful day. And the segment begins with the reworking of the Pinky and the Brain theme song to accommodate Mindy's inclusion. Mindy and the brain, Mindy and the brain. One's a small child and the other's the brain. He uses his lobe to overthrow the globe. She's whimsy. They're Mindy and the brain, 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 brain. So we see Brain scribbling in his blueprints, but Mindy places Brain in a jar. She then gets distracted and throws the jar, which crashes into a rock. Brain crashing into it as well, and Brain kind of limps over like a piece of wallpaper. <laughs> piece of paper. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is a bottle episode of sorts, as the segment takes place entirely within Mindy's backyard. Yep. And Mindy's just bouncing around on her harness, harness, which is attached to a tree, and she's babbling about. And Mindy's mother leaves Brain to supervise Mindy while she attends a better parrot conference. <laughs> but as she leaves, she states that Brain gives her plenty of attitude. Uh, but with the irresponsible mother out of the way, Brain decides to devise a plan for world domination. So he reads to a book and decides to use telepathy to open the cage. But he meant to say telekinesis. As he uses his mind to levitate a garden shovel out from the ground. So we have this trowel just being, you know, lifted up in the air, goes straight into the cage lock, and Brain just even, like, tilts his head to turn the, uh, pick the lock and open the cage door, <laughs> which is a cute little bit. Yeah. 
And uh, once he's liberated, Brain walks over to Mindy and recruits her in his plan to take over the world. Now to get Mindy. Come, Mindy, it's time for us to conquer the world. Why? By right of superior intelligence, I am best suited to guide the destiny of this planet. Why? My empirical powers give me the mandate. Why? Because it's something I want to do. Okay, love you. I am uncomfortable with that. But she asks why, and Brain states that he believes that he's the right person to take over the world and guide the destiny of the planet. She asks why again, and he states that his intellect gives him the mandate. But she asks why one more time, and Brain yells, It's something I want to (laughs) do! And Mindy just decides to give him a big old smooch on the cheek. She's like, okay, I love you! (laughs) And Brain is just visibly uncomfortable with the smooch. (laughs) And Brain explains that he's planning on building a massive stink bomb that is propelled by a rocket to spread the stench all over the various capitals of the world. And that with all the government officials out on the streets, he and Mindy will sneak in and seize power. But Mindy instead uh, instead decides to put Brain in a dress. And she walks him around on his ears. Brain is just not pleased by this. And she picks him up. And when Brain demands that she release him, she does so. But he bounces over to a pile of manure. So Brain is mixing the ingredients for his stink bomb in the water pail. And he needs a device to launch the stink bomb. And while he's talking about this, Mindy is driving this lawnmower around by herself and Brain commands that she bring it over to him, (laughs) which she she does. But the mower knocks Brain into the pile of the pail of manure (laughs) and the mower spins out of control and Mindy is launched to a tree and Brain is chased by the mower and he climbs up a tree to get out of the mower's way. But the mower actually like follows him up the tree. (laughs) Running over the tree, running over him, and Brain comedically is kind of diced into a bunch of little pieces and falls to the ground. And and the mower falls down, and the mower falls down. Brain, who is back in one piece, looks up before it crushes him. And he dizzily kind of walks away from the mower as Pinky, as Mindy, I'm sorry, as Mindy states how smelly he is. And Brain decides to just abandon the planet entirely. It's just not worth it. And afterward, Brain is back in his cage. And Mindy's mom approaches Brain and scolds him for allowing Mindy to feed him old cheese because he's very stinky. So she thinks that that he was eating old cheese. And Brain <laughs> states that he hates being chided, but is confident that he will take over the world once she leaves again. And the episode ends with Brain taking a much-needed bath by putting on a little shower cap and hopping into a thimble full of pink bubbles. I hate being chided, but she'll be gone soon. Then I can begin my plans for tomorrow. Another plot to take over the world. But first, a bath. He's thinking that Mindy and the rain, 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 rain. <laughs> it's very, very cute. It's very cute. It's like, as usual, he gets banged around a lot. Uh, there's even kind of some like, well, we'll get to that later. But <laughs> there's some references to uh, something else in this episode. Possible references. Yeah. Or rather things that get carried on, I should say, instead of references. But it's a, you know, it's a cute, funny little compartmentalized bit. And the Oh, yeah, it's a very humorous famous. crossover. Yeah, it's very funny. And I love the animation by TMS. There's some great, um, there's some great uh, extreme poses here uh, with yep. the brain that are very cute. 
But then we, afterwards, we get another Pinky in the Brain parody opening, which starts with a reverse of the tracking shot used to end the Pinky in the Brain opening. But instead, we go through the doors and through the hallway to meet two lab animals inside a cage. Pinky, and filling in for Brain, is Rita the Cat. Pinky and the cat, yes, Pinky and the cat. Her name is Rita, he's a lab rat. Oh, no, she lives inside a cage, making less than minimum wage. It's Pinky, the Pinky and the cats, 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 cats. So Rita is crouched down and she takes up most of the cage, leaving Pinky with very little room. So as the warners sing this new opening, Pinky stares at Rita with this anxious expression before going into silly mode by wrapping his tail around his head. And when the Warners call him a lab rat, Pinky gleefully corrects them by saying, A mouse! (laughs) Um, There's another shot of uh, Pinky and Rita, but this time Rita gives a sly smile and winks at the camera while Pinky is just clutched to the cage bars. He's looking terrified with his eyes bulging out and he's just trembling. But then afterwards, Pinky then hangs upside down the cage with his tail, and even Rita kind of pushes him around, and he swings around. And Pinky looks down at the water bowl and gives some very funny expressions. Yeah, and after this theme song, Pinky asks Rita, what do you want to do tonight? And Rita nonchalantly replies that she is going to eat Pinky up for, for supper, very seriously. And so she grabs Pinky <laughs> and actually swallows him whole, and states that this is her favorite episode so far. <laughs> Um, fortunately, Pinky seems to be okay as he compliments the roomy accommodations while he's stuck inside of Rita. And the mourners kind of sing them off, saying, like, she, like, she, she ate him. the rat because yeah, she, she, is, she a is a cat. Cat, 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 <laughs> cat, cat, cat. So we get this pull out from the lab to the hallway outside the lab. So it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, barely a minute long, like one to two minutes long, maybe. Uh, it's less, a, it's like, less than a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's super short, but. I thought the payoff was legit hilarious. Like, I mean, like poor Pinky, but that was funny. Like, they're just like, yep, she's a cat. She would eat him. This is what she would do. No oh, yeah. hands or butts. Yep. So now let's go over our firsts. So this yep. is the first uh, crossover episode of sorts, where both Pinky and Brain are paired up with different characters from Animaniacs. Brain is paired up with Mindy, and Rita is uh, Pinky is paired up with Rita. The Animaniacs would also feature two additional crossover episodes that we're going to cover. Uh, season four has two of them. Uh, the first being Pinky and the Ralph, which Ralph is Pinky's cage mate. But the execution here isn't really as funny as Pinky and the Cat. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then we have the Hip Hippos episode, the Pitter Patter of Little Feet, which has Brain posing as a baby in the hopes of getting access to the Rockefeller fortune. But there was a mix-up and he is landed in the care of Flavio and Marita. And the premise sounds as bad as one would expect. Yeah. It's, um, uh, fortunately, it's, though, the episode was all just a bad dream. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> the mice would also appear in some uh, crossovers from other Warner Brothers cartoons, one of which is um, in Tiny Toons, the Halloween episode Night Goolery has yep. the... Um, in the Elmira and Dizzy Frankenstein parody, Brain makes a notable appearance. Where Elmira is like, give me the brain. Yeah. And then we have Brain just not really having it. He's like, he's like, I find this pun like unamusing or something. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'll save you for later. Yeah. Which is just really bad foreshadowing. So ominous. 
Yep. Yeah, and then the mice also make some appearances in Freakazoid. The first one, which is Freakazoidus history, um, in which in that episode, Freakazoid alters the course of history, so it's for the better. Yeah. And then yeah. that ending has Brain being the president of the United States. <laughs> and that little end joke is hilarious because Brain is on the plane. And he's like, who's piloting the plane? And it's Pinky. It is Pinky. Yeah, it was really cute. Yep. And then the second one comes from a season two episode, The Freakazoid. Where um, it's, there's a scene where Freakazoid, Wacko, and the Brain argue over which show was Steven Spielberg's favorite. It's yeah. so hilarious. After all, Animaniacs is his favorite. Uh, sorry to break this to you, Wacko, but if I'm not mistaken, Freakazoid is Steven's favorite show. We got a memo. <clears throat> I believe you're both mistaken. It is the sophisticated wit and charm of Pinky and the Brain that has captured Steven's heart, as well as making it the breakaway hit of the WB schedule. Well, why don't we just go find out? It's pretty funny. That was a pretty good one, too. Um, there's also one other Tiny Toons episode where they make a very brief appearance, but you have to kind of catch it. And I don't remember if it was actually, I think it's actually one of the Tiny Toons movies. Um, I think it was like the Spring I'm, Break one. Yeah, it was one of the movies. And in it, Elmira is like, um, she's, <laughs> there's this uh, patent reference uh, where Elmira is on the stage and she's talking about how she's going to like, uh, get some other animal for her collection or something. She's going after Buster. I think she's trying to get Buster. And she's talking to all these animals in cages that she's just collected over the years. And there's this one shot where it pulls out, or rather it it cuts to a uh, wide shot where you see all these animals in these cages. And at the very, very back, closest to us, actually, like from the back from the stage room I was at, we see Pinky and Brain in separate cages just wide enough that they can't like even reach out and touch one another. <laughs> and they're just like sitting up there forlornly. Um, again, kind of an ominous, uh, <laughs> foreshadowing, foreshadowing perhaps of, of what's to come in the future. So yeah, you get that too. Um, this is also the first pinky in the brain episode where the pinky in the brain theme song gets a remix of sorts. Hmm. Um, so the first, which is, um, uh, Mindy and the Brain, and then we have Pinky and the Cat. Um, there are some a few instances in the Pinky and the Brain spinoff where they would have a different theme song. A Pinky and the Brain Christmas would change the theme, uh, not only to have like the snow filter over the opening theme, but they would change the lyrics to have it more holiday-themed. Uh, and they would actually insert a lot of Christmas carols into the theme, and I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, the other instance of this is Pinky and the Brain and Larry, where they change the opening to include Larry, <laughs> just forcing him into the picture. Yeah, it's like, and Larry, and also Larry. Pinky and the brain. And Larry. Yes, Pinky and the brain. And Larry. One is a genius, the other's insane. The other one's Larry. And they actually even like reanimated the scene in um, Opportunity Knocks to include Larry. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yep, and then of course Pinky Elmira in the brain would change the theme song and even make some snarky remarks about the show's existence. Yep. Pinky and the Brain share a new domain. It's what the network wants. Why bother to complain? 
It's what the network wants. wants. Why Why bother to complain? complain? (laughs) One other thing I actually have to mention that I didn't um, include. Um, This is the first time we see Brain in a dress. It is actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, Here, he's not really having it because, you know, he doesn't want to play dress up. But uh, later down the line in the um, Pinky and the Brain spinoff, there are a couple instances where Brain would willingly wear a dress. Yeah, like, when it's forced upon him, he hates it, obviously. But when he is in charge of the plan and the costuming, he is, like, totally for it. Like, he has no problem with it. He even kind of enjoys it sometimes, like, in a... Whatever uh, happened to Baby Brain is the most uh, prominent. Yeah, where he, like, he has to... He dresses up kind of like a Shirley Temple-ish character and with the curls and everything. And he, he, like, willingly admits that he just kind of likes the do and (laughs) likes to wear it. (laughs) Yeah. This is science, Pinky. Observe. Contact lenses to enlarge my eyes and elicit the audience's protective instinct. Fake dimples to augment cheek pinchability. Blonde curls perfectly calibrated to... Well, actually, I just sort of liked them. Uh, the second instance is, uh, but that's not all, folks. Where Bray dresses up as Jill, the receptionist. Oh my gosh. Hi, I'm it. Jill. Hi there. My name is Jill, and I'm standing by to take your phone order. In just a minute, we'll be giving out that most important number. So be sure to have something to write with. That bit's still like... (laughs) It's so funny. I can't with that bit. It's so funny, though. It's funny. And and then there's like some things from the comics, too. There's like an instance where Bran dresses up as a potential wife for Henry VIII. Yep. And then there's the uh, Evita parody, where Bran... Dresses up in like multiple um, dresses. He's parody of uh, Evita Perone. And this was in the comics? Yeah, this is in the comics. I don't know if I've read that one yet. I haven't gone through all the comics, uh, so I might have missed that one. I'm not sure. And then there's like the first issue of the uh, Pinky and the Brain comic where him and Pinky are dressed up as uh, women. They're even stuffing money into their brassiers. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. And also, Brain dresses up as Cher, so it's like, Brain's totally fine with dressing up in feminine clothing as long as he's the one doing it. Yeah, as long as he has control over it and it's part of the plan, he's totally fine with it. But if he's forced into it like he was often in the Elmira show, then he absolutely hates it. Except Um, for... The one in episode eight, um, one of the segments where he's dressed up as a bride. And he kind (laughs) of... Kind of likes it. He doesn't entirely hate it. We'll say that. (laughs) Going back to the first, this is the first time Brain explains why he wants to take over the world. Uh, In the Garden of Mindy, he establishes that he believes that his vast intellect would make him the rightful ruler of the planet. And the spinoff gives some more depth into his motivations, specifically in the episode Megalomaniacs Anonymous, where he decides not to take over the world after seeking help from a support group. And uh, after Brain tries to help Pinky gain his independence in that episode, and subsequently witnesses him getting assaulted by some humans, Brain actually becomes motivated to rule the world so he can make it a better place for people like Pinky. For, like, you know, the less fortunate or what have you. Pinky! You should all be ashamed of yourselves for assaulting this poor, innocent soul. If I ruled the world, people wouldn't step all over the little guy. Really, Brain? Pinky, I've been mistaken. My quest is not an obsession. It's a mission of mercy. I don't want to rule the world for my own ego, but to make it a better place. Maybe a little bit for my own ego. 
So that was a really kind of cute, sweet. I wish that they had continued in that theme of he wants to take over to make it a better place, uh, which in his mind he does. Uh, but I like that particular instance of it. Yeah. And the and also, also the, is- um, the Lego mate ego establishes that he wants to go back home. Yes. Yeah, which is like, because is- it's like he lived in like a uh, tin can, which like a picture of the world on it. Yep. And so he kind of wants to take over the world because he wants to go back home because he was captured by the yeah. scientists as a young little baby mouse. Lego My Ego is a particularly bittersweet episode and probably one of the more like devastating stories, uh, I suppose, uh, going back into Brain's history a little bit and to like, you know, how he was captured, what happened when he was captured, how it affected him. Um, and that's in the spinoff series, uh, which we will eventually get to. But that does explain a little bit more about his reasoning. And the reboot actually also gives Brain another ad- added layer to his motivation in the episode Rodent Trip. Uh, he tells Picky that he feels the need to take over the world so he could have control over himself after he was subjected to the learned helplessness experiment as a young mouse. He felt helpless in that instance, that he had no control over uh, his life, over himself. So he wants that control over his life, over himself, and over the entire world because he sees the world as unfair. <laughs> and Pinky and the Cat is the first episode where we see another lab animal in Acme Labs, which is kind of interesting. We see others later on. A snowball, a hamster, and Brain's former friend turned rival is the main antagonist in the spinoff series. The show also features a villainous lab cat who appears in Brain and Washed Part 3, Wash Harder, a uh, cat named Precious. Yep. So we do see occasionally other lab animals, but it's not very often. Usually we just see Brain and Pinky, maybe some others. In the reboot, we actually see um, other mice on two occasions. Yeah. And, yeah. In, in the um, episode eight and then in Rodent yep. Trip. Yep. In episode eight in Rodent Trip, we see other lab mice subjected to experiments. But it, so, it appears like they're, like, regular mice, so they're not, like, genetically altered. No, they're not actually spliced. They're just, yeah, regular mice. And that's a really interesting touch. It is. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go into some fun facts real quick. Um, this episode has some un- unintentional foreshadowing, as we mentioned earlier, with uh, Brain being paired up with a little girl, which would insinuate that he would be pa- uh, forced to pair up with Elmira later on. <laughs> Additionally, the doll that Mindy plays with suspiciously looks like Elmira because the doll has like a blue dress and red hair. Yeah. And Mindy even calls a uh, uh, brain uh, big head, I think. And I yeah, think it's Elmira like little mousy big head. Yeah. And then Elmira calls him something similar uh, in that in the Elmira show. Yep. Uh, this is the only Mindy and Button segment that takes place entirely in the backyard. As the whole premise of those cartoons is that Mindy would somehow escape from her harness and she would just toddle off on her little adventure. And Buttons is loyally protecting her and he gets the brunt of every, you know, brunt of everything as he gets beat up at every turn. And almost every cartoon ends with them returning to the backyard and Buttons getting scolded for some minor offense. Which is why those cartoons weren't necessarily as popular. Yeah, I, you always felt bad for the poor dog. Like, he always would get, uh, would be the butt of the joke. Uh, and end up getting, <laughs> end up getting wounded along the way trying to protect Mindy, and he would always get scolded by his owner uh, for doing something bad uh, that he was not his fault. <laughs> yep, and they are none the wiser of his heroism. 
Nope. And also, this won't be the last time that the mice are featured in a Mindy's and Button cartoon. Because in season three, Buttons and Owls has probably one of the best Pinky and the Brain ca- cameos. As Brain and Pinky are in the role of Oz. Well, mostly Brain here, because he's truly hamming it up as the great and powerful <laughs> wizard. I am the Brain. The great and powerful Brain. Pay no attention to that mouse behind the curtain. Nav! Quiet, Pinky. I always forget about that. That bit. Uh, it's really funny because he's like, I am the brain. Yeah. And he's like, pay no attention to that mouse behind the curtain. Yeah. And then you see the, him and Pinky just running over to the um, hot air balloon. It was a really cute segment. It was a cute cameo. <laughs> and I think um, I did some research and the mice were originally supposed to be featured in the season four episode, Night of the Living Buttons. Huh. As they were attacked by the zombies, um, there were some storyboards um, online, and like Pinky was going up to Brain, and he's asking him, "What are we gonna do tonight?" And then Brain's like, "The same thing we do every night, Pinky." And he turns around to reveal that he's a zombie, he's like eating brains, and he goes <laughs> after Pinky, and Pinky screams as um, it like you know does the little fade out. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I think uh, one of our friends on um, online showed it. I wonder if it was cut for budget reasons uh, or something. I, I don't know. I wonder why they cut that out. It's too Maybe. bad, too, because like, it's one of the better Mindy and Buttons episodes, in my opinion. Yeah. It's the Halloween one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Too bad they cut it, but at least there's boards of it. Mm-hmm. Brain mentions Zoysia, Zoysia. grass, Zoysia grass uh, which is an actual thing. Uh, it was developed by the U.S. government and the U.S. Golf Association to be used as golf course turf. And uh, the moment in Pinky and the Cat, where Pinky makes silly faces in the water bowl, is included in the Pinky and the Brain spinoff opening. They don't play the whole thing, but they play a part of it. It's like where like Pinky's like you know moving his mouth, like moving his lips. Yeah, it, that's it's the one funny, they use. I had forgotten it was in this segment. I was like, okay, I I don't remember where they put this, and it's like, oh, it's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wish they played the whole thing because there's some fun <laughs> animation. It's a fun animation in that bit. This is one of the few times where Rita doesn't actually sing. One of the major selling points in the Rita and Rudd cartoons was that Rita, who was voiced by Broadway legend Bernadette Peters, would sing at least one song per episode. I seem to recall like them saying that it was hard for them to, because she was so popular, it was hard for them to get her. Yeah, which is why so. they were only in it for season one. Right. And then after that, you don't really see them again um, because it was so difficult to actually book her uh, to come on and sing. And, you know, so they would make the most of it. Uh, Whenever there was a Rita and Run episode, there was most, if not always, some kind of a song where Bernadette Peters would sing as Rita. But this is one of the few instances where she did not. And continuing with the discussion of cameo appearances, Brain would make a cameo appearance in the Rita and Run short of Lice and Men. as he's being held by George and Lenny before being tossed across the screen, with Brain being rather annoyed with his cameo. I do not remember this at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I found it circulating it, but... online where it's like, Brain's like, I hate cameos. And then I like... I don't even remember. Oh, I do remember And it's like, now. silly, Lenny, my, men don't play with mice. And he just, <laughs> just yeets Brain across oh, okay, the screen. Okay. And Brain's I like, do... are you pondering what I'm pondering? <laughs> As he's just zooming across the screen. I need to rewatch it. I've seen all the episodes, uh, but I had completely forgotten about that one. Yeah, it's, it's a brief one. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, let's just quickly go over our thoughts on this episode. Um, even though Pinky and the Brain work best as a comedic duo, I thought that pairing them off with other characters was a fascinating experiment, and it was executed wonderfully. I feel like out of all of the Animaniacs two shorts, the Garden of Mindy was the strongest, because it mines the comedic gold out of putting two different characters together, and seeing, like, Mindy and Brain interact was just really humorous. (laughs) And I think what also made this segment really work was that unlike the other segments where they make meta jokes and it sort of feels like the characters are actors on a set, this one is played entirely straight. Yeah. Like Brain does see Mindy as his associate and treats her almost as an equal (laughs) as opposed to the Elmira show where Brain understandably does not want to be there and even refers to Elmira as the oaf. Yeah. But uh, back to this cartoon... Brain and Mindy have some nice comedic chemistry together, which makes me wish that the uh, eventual retooling of Pinky and the Brain would have had the mice live with Mindy and Buttons instead. It would have been more tolerable, I feel. Yeah, or something just a bit different. Like, this is an interesting look into, you know, how might that have played out a bit differently? I think that the idea of, like, pairing up a third character with Pinky and Brain already is not a good idea because they need to just be a duo. And Oh, yeah. And the creators would hammer this in uh, with segments such as Pinky and the Brain and Larry showing that this does not work. You need a yin and a yang, and it has to be just these two characters. But if you were going to do that, um, at least make you know your third character a likable, uh, a more likable character who is not just continually torturing uh, these mice. And like Mindy, yeah, okay, she she's a toddler know. who doesn't know any better. Like right, she doesn't know any better, but she actually like she loves everybody. So she yeah, she loves kiss, she loves buttons. Know? Like she loves like the mice. Well, she loves brain, but um, but yeah. I mean, also like you could have had like potential like retooling those characters. Like maybe give Mindy more of a personality, but like still make her be likable. Yeah, you could have done that. You could have had her be a character that's like that genuinely cares about animals. Yeah, um, or make her have her like her own agency. Right. And so she's someone that's like not actually out to continually harm them. Like maybe she still kind of gets in their way a little bit, but it's not malicious. Like, uh, oh, yeah, animals. it's like, you know, she's just like, you know, friendly and stuff. And like, right. Yeah, it would have been tolerable. Yeah. It's a what could have been. Yeah. Uh, the physical comedy in this cartoon is great. Uh, Brain getting battered and bruised is actually pretty funny here because of how energetic the TMS animation is. Yeah. And I noticed that throughout my rewatch of Animaniacs that uh, the more slapstick-heavy Pinky and the Brain segments are animated by TMS. Yep. So, like, this one, Pavlov's Mice, Brain Meets Brawn, When Mice Rule the Earth. And they, that studio does a great job of handling all the, like, the slapstick and physical humor, and even yeah. the humorous facial expressions. So this, this short has a better handle of physical slapstick humor as opposed to Pinky Elmira the Brain, where it's just outright torture- or even yeah. the Minion Buttons cartoons, which, again, essentially tests the viewer's tolerance on how much this poor <laughs> dog gets through the ringer in each episode. Yeah. But um, in the Garden of Mindy is also a testament of how strong Brain is as a character, as he pretty much manages to bounce off of almost anyone. Yeah. Um, his sardonic humor is on point, from his comments about Mindy's mom to the occasional fourth wall jokes that he would make. Yep. The segment also highlights the flaws of the Mindy and Buttons cartoons, especially with how incompetent and unlikable the mother is, who even goes out of her way to chastise a mouse, which is just rather ridiculous. And um, as for Pinky the Cat, it's a short and sweet cartoon that's 
builds up to one humorous punchline that's delivered excellently. Um, one thing I have to mention is how both cartoons make the case for how Pinky and Brain need each other, and how each short emphasizes how one can't go far without the other. Yeah. So even though Brain is a genius and an ambitious little mouse, he can't get his plan past the drawing board without Pinky's assistance. And even Pinky, who is more of a people person, his kindness and sincerity could easily be taken for granted by some, as Rita just literally just eats him up. So overall, I think In the Garden of Mindy and Pinky and the Cat are both hilarious and memorable cartoons. Yeah, and bouncing off of that, I I agree. Uh, you make some good points. I like that you mentioned that it kind of shows some of the flaws, and if you take these characters away from each other, you can make for some pretty you know funny moments with pairing them up with other characters. Uh, and when you do it, you know once in a while, it actually can be pretty fun. And I really liked uh, the segments that with Pinky and Brain, especially out of all the Animaniacs stew ones they did. Uh, the one with Brain and Mindy is my favorite, and one with Pinky and the Cat is just funny. They're both funny little segments, but it also shows that, yeah, you can't really have one character without the other. Brain needs Pinky, Pinky needs Brain for different reasons. But um, them doing this little one-off thing is really fun to watch. I love that they brought TMS in for this. You make a good point about how with some of the more slapstick-heavy episodes, they would bring in TMS to do the animation uh, when it was something a little more boisterous. And they seem to be doing this uh, often with other episodes as well, uh, in the spinoff series and whatnot. Uh, they would bring in specific episodes for specific tones, for specific themes. And they did this in the spinoff as well. Uh, they seemed to bring in, for example, Wang Studios uh, for episodes that were more uh, emotionally heavy, uh, where Brain was having to be a little more introspective. Wang was really good at the uh, facial expressions to pair with this, so they would bring them in. Uh, whereas TMS would really push the extremes and have some great uh, poses and uh, also some great facial expressions. So you have a lot of slapstick stuff going on here, and TMS was great to bring in for that. They have a very distinctive style that you could tell uh, pretty quickly, oh, oh, this is them. Uh, But yeah, Piggy the Cat was really fun. (laughs) As short as it is, um, I think the payoff is great. Uh, They just play play a straight of like, she's a cat, she would eat him, and that's the end of it. (laughs) Poor Piggy. I know, poor Pinky. So yeah, very fun little segments. So uh, now let's get into our NARF rating. Okie doke. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. NARF! So I'm going to give Bubba Boba Brain 10 NARFs out of 10. What could I say? It's classic. It's a good one. I am with you on that. I give Bubba Bubba Brain a solid 10 out of 10 narfs. It's just it's just great. It's funny. Um, I love the script. I love the moments. Some great jokes. Uh, 10 out of 10 for Bubba Bubba Brain. Yep. And for In the Garden of Mindy, I'm going to give it 9 narfs out of 10. I thought it was just really excellent um, all across the board. Very funny from beginning to end. And yep, I'm also going to give... Pinky and the Cat, 9 out of 10 as well. <laughs> I'm uh, pairing up with you on that here as well. 9 out of 10 for Garden of Mindy and 9 out of 10 for Pinky and the Cat. <laughs> That's like the, the like... <laughs> I mean, this is like the second time that we agreed on a rating. Yeah, usually it's like... I think usually I'm more harsh in the ratings, uh, but this time we're we're like solid 9, 10 for all of them. Yeah. 
I mean, they're great episodes, so. Yep. What can we say? Yep. Now, in the grand tradition of our podcast, let's quickly go over the word of the day. Woohoo. So, this one, another instance of this is the word I swear. Um, it's the word <laughs> cleep, which is spelled C L E P E. Oh, it's cleep. I thought it was clep. Clep, cleep. yeah. It's like, yeah, clep. Cleep? Is it clep or cleep? It's, it's clep, but it's clep. Um, in the past particle, it's actually spelled either C L E P T or Y C L E P T. It's pronounced eclapped. That's so weird. When it's I an archaic the, word. It must be. Like, when I saw you put the Y there, I was like, oh, she made a mistake. So I got rid of it. I think I, I'm i really sorry. I was like, oh, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's it's another, like, old-timey uh, word that was used in, like, the days of Shakespeare and even older than that. Yeah, like, I can, I've seen some words spelled like that, but very rarely. And I was like, okay, this can't be a word. But it is, like, the, very interesting. Yep. So the word is a verb and it means to call or name. And in the sentence, Pinky constantly forgot Brain's stage name, Bubba Boba Brain, as he clapped him, Bippy Bebop Balula, and other such nonsensical phrases. <laughs> How do you find these words? I'm curious. I just scour all over the internet. <laughs> I usually go on like the word of the day and try to pick out like some good ones. This is a good one. Definitely interesting. I I, I, I do my best. <laughs> so now we'll give you our contact information and social media plug. So if you want to um, give out your thoughts or opinions on either of these cartoons or just Pinky and the Brain in general, you can email your comments or opinions to thepointcast at gmail.com. That's T-H-E. P-O-I-T-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And you can also find us on our Twitter page, which is at Poitcast, or on Tumblr, poitcast.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy this episode of our podcast or enjoy the show in general, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, That way you can help boost the show and... Or you can even email us your reviews as well. Um, We're more than happy to read out them read them out loud as long as they're respectful and you can also find us individually on the internet you can find me on twitter my twitter handle is mj hurley which is mj underscore h-e-r-l-i-h-y you can visit my tumblr page which is pine straws and if you want to read my fan fiction you can find my works on archive of our own under my username congressman mabel all one word and all lowercase. And you can reach me on Twitter at Michiki. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-K-I-E, Michiki. You can find me on Tumblr at Pluto Art. That's P-L-U-T-O dash A-R-T if you like my artistic works. Or if you like fan fiction, you can check out my stories on AO3 and fanfiction.net under the username Michiki. Same spelling as the Twitter account. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Podcast. So next time... We are going to review the first two segments of season two of the Animaniacs reboot. That'll be really cool. Like, yeah, this will be the first time uh, on Podcast that we will actually be reviewing some new episodes uh, really soon after they come out. So 
I'm sure those of you who will be binge watching will have seen all the episodes by the time we even get to the first or second one. Uh, but we will be reviewing the uh, first couple of segments. So tune in for that uh, next time. So you can uh, get some, get our thoughts on that if you're interested or if you just want to be spoiled before you watch it, we are here for you. <laughs> yep. And we do plan on reviewing them two at a time. And um, every other week, well, every other um, episode release, just to spread it out. Yeah, so we'll be reviewing them, yeah, as Pine said, two at a time. There are 13 episodes total, so we'll just do... And there's only 12 Pinky in the Brain segments, so... Yeah, so that kind of works out. I mean, we might still mention... uh, Cameos. Cameos, maybe some of the Warner stuff, if if it pertains to any of the Pinky in the Brain stuff, or just maybe our general thoughts on it, but... We will be, you know, primarily focusing on the pinky and the brain segments, of course. It is called Poicast. It is Poicast, after all. <laughs> but yeah, but now Pluto and I must return to the lab and prepare for the next episode. Why, Pines? What are we going to do next episode? The same thing we do every episode, Pluto. Talk about pinky and the brain! They're pinky, they're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. The podcast was created for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not endorsed by Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment. All characters, sounds, and images related to Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, and other Warner Brothers properties and trademarks are copyrighted their respective holders. The opinions of the host, co-host, and any podcast guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment.